It's Biblia Vile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Biblia Vile, I read Kate Angel's No Sunshine When She's Gone and Nick read Ash Kickers by Sean Grigsby. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here again to tell you about the books we read all the way to the end for you both did of us. It. I even write a little Proud bit. Of you. I even write a little bit extra because you bought me an extra book. Twice. I did. So what? at the end of last week's episode, or last episode, um, we announced Mick's next book, which was supposed to be Burn Something. Burn notice something burn. Burn zone. Burn zone. Because I look at it every time and think it's bone zone. And I we read the back and I thought it sounded ridiculous, but Mick made a good point. It sounds ridiculous, but it's sci-fi. And you just never know with sci-fi. It might sound ridiculous and wind up being really good sci-fi. And it turns out... It was, it was pretty good. Uh, as Chuck Berry would say, you never can tell. Yeah. Say la vie, say the old folks. Goes to show. Yeah. Anyway, so we pivoted then to the last book in the mystery bag, uh, which was Sean Grigsby's Ash Kickers. Mm-hmm. Um, this book has a fireman's well, badge. Do you want to do this now or do you want to do it when it's my turn to do it? Oh, this? I always do this. I get so excited to talk about the book I got for you that I forget that I have to talk about the book that I read. We are. This is why we're yin and yang, Susan, yeah. because I get so excited to talk about me. And mm. you're just so gracious and nice. Like Toby Keith. Um, this huh? book, there's a Toby Keith song where he sings that he wants to talk about him. Oh, I thought you just loved this bar and grill. <laughs> um, this is The book that I read is by national best-selling author. Mm. Not international or New York Times, just national best-selling Didn't author. Didn't mention which nation. Kate Angel. It's Angel, but with two L's. Angel. 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 Uncle. Um, <laughs> Must be Germany that's the best-selling author. And so. it is called No Sunshine When She's Gone. And it I is know, part of I the know, know. Barefoot William series. Barefoot William is the name of the town. The town is named Barefoot William. <gasps> Billy Barefoot? Because the founder back in the 1800s was... Named William, and he liked to be barefoot, so he named the town Barefoot that's William. That's a bad idea in the 1800s. That's that's a one-way trip to some disease, Honestly. whether gangrene or mm-hmm. Sudafed or uh, Potemkin. So the big... The, the Barefoot William series is set in Barefoot William. Let's... Oh! <laughs> Shocking, I know. Let's just get this out of the way. Barefoot William is a Branson Reese NPC for Mood Tales It really is. It would be hilarious as an NPC Hi, I'm, name. Bra- I'm Barefoot William. But instead, it's the setting, and it doesn't make any sense why the town would be called Barefoot William. But it's called Barefoot William, and the... Susan. What? Martha's Vineyard is not owned by Martha Stewart anymore. Anymore? So they should change the name. Yeah. So the Barefoot William series, set in Barefoot William, following the family, the descendants of William. William uh, who? I don't know. The guy who was barefoot. Oh, Barefoot William. Barefoot William, uh, who founded the town. So they are 
the founding family and they're all stupid rich and the book each book is about a different sibling or cousin in the cates family and this one is about aiden cates um and aiden cates aiden cates he's got two incredibly common names aiden cates and then the female protagonist is jilly mack barefoot william aiden cates jilly mack yeah and Ooh. Carrie Waters I feel like is this her friend. Book, I feel like this book is on the CW somehow. I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, the The book starts out, our opening chapter is at a, uh, a psychic fair on the boardwalk. His sister Shay had organized the event. There was no exam to be a reader at the fair. Their aunt was a renowned intuitive with an international following. Madame Alita was presently in New York City filming a documentary on psychic detectives. She had solved many crimes in her lifetime. I feel like that's got to be another series no, no, by kidding. this author, right? When you're writing a book and you're like, wow, that little aside sounds way more interesting than, than the what book I'm that I'm reading. currently reading. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Despite the hundred year feud between the Cates and Saunders families, the Saunders family founded Saunders Shores. Uh, which is the wealthiest resort community in the country that's not far from Barefoot William. I do like the idea that uh, every town has one family that owns it. Despite the hundred-year feud between the Cates and Saunders families, Aiden's sister Shay had married Trace Saunders. Aiden's older brother Dune had married Trace's younger sister Sophie. The controversy had been resolved and peace restored between the families. Life was good. The Southern Paradise Thrived. Those were the first two books. Uh, the younger brother, Dune. Uh-huh. Uh, he just goes by Dune. It's a nickname. His real name is Arrakis. <laughs> um, so in this first chapter, uh, Aiden, I just forgot, almost forgot his name. Aiden and his, his, name's Aiden. his girlfriend Sorry, uh, are at this psychic fair on the boardwalk and they decide they're going to get a reading. There's really long lines at all of the booths and so they go to, there's one woman sitting at a table and there's no line at her table. So they decide they're going to go over there. Um, this woman uh, is like, she's pretty young, she's pretty hot. Here's Aiden's reaction to her. He noticed the slight gap between her front teeth, which he found hot. A tiny crescent scar curved the corner of one eye. He liked a woman who wasn't perfect. She seemed more natural, more real. So That's this, what makes you beautiful. First of all, that. Second of all, she is like described as being basically perfect except for a slight gap between her teeth and a tiny scar. But, you know, she's not perfect and he likes a woman with flaws. The kind of flaws that are easily described in a single sentence. Uh-huh. But as Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg, I can't remember what say, gap teeth in your mouth, so my dick's got to fit. Oh, gross. Um, they sit down at this table and this psychic gives them a reading and basically tells <laughs> From him, the book of Mark. <laughs> and basically tells Aiden that this woman is waiting for him to propose to her, but she's also seeing someone else on the side and she's cheating on him and she's just using him. And Aiden looks at his girlfriend and he's like, is this true? And she's like, basically confesses like, yes, it's true. Um, 
I'm, you know, I've been seeing someone else and he's in love with me or something. So this psychic is just a messy bitch who loves drama. Turns out she's not even a psychic. Well, that would also assume that anybody is a psychic. Well, true, but she's not even pretending to be the psychic. The, The psychic who has rented this table is on her break. This woman just needed a place to sit down for a minute and Aiden and his girlfriend mistook her for a psychic because, you know, that sign that says, here's the psychic was really misleading. Uh, But she happened to be at a table next to the girlfriend and her other guy that she's seeing and she heard the whole story and so she decided she was going to use this opportunity to tell Caden what's what. Blah, 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 blah. So messy bitch who loves some yeah. drama. They break up on the boardwalk and then he winds up finding out that she's not a psychic after all so he chases after her. She at this point is in like a shop in the dressing room trying stuff on and he like sprints after her and barges into the dressing room and like backs her up into the corner and is yelling at her and this is supposed to be sexy apparently mm. i do just want to say that break up on the boardwalk is my favorite billy joel song <laughs> um or the what's the band that sings mungo jerry that sounds like something mungo jerry would have come up with their their God. second hit i need to learn fewer <laughs> things yeah, how did you immediately pull Mungo Jerry out of? Because that's who sings that song. I don't understand the question. Uh, I know, but why do you? If you have know never that? seen, if you've never seen that music video, everybody, you need to go look it up. It's like a music video from the time period before they knew what music videos <laughs> yeah, were. It's ridiculous. And so they're just sitting in a roundabout somewhere in England, just singing this song, and it's they're so awkward. They're just like, they like staring. They awkwardly. stare at the camera. You know, like the worst brand of TikToks where they're waiting for something to happen in the song. And so they're just kind of like <laughs> hanging out. That's the music video. They mm-hmm. don't know what to do. So they're like. Amazing. Uh, hey, uh, hoo, hoo. Plus there's a jug band. Anyway, sorry. In the middle of. So in the this street. scene where he is running into the dressing room and barging in on her. This is her reaction to this strange man she's had one interaction with being very angry and barging into the dressing room where she's changing and backing her up against a wall. Her imagination teased her, then overtook her. She could picture his body getting hot and sweaty. His kisses would be deep as he drew out a woman's pleasure. He'd control the rock of his hips, the depth of his thrust. The mirror would reflect their orgasms. Heat crept into her cheeks. Her nipples were suddenly perky. Perspiration dampened her cleavage. Warmth settled in her belly. Her panties grew damp. She found it difficult to breathe. Ah, I'm so horny. My tits are sweating. (laughs) What the hell? Um, Also, in the first 50 pages, she stubs her toe at least three times. So you know she's clumsy. (gasps) We forgot to play bingo. I'm getting there. Gotta get that bingo card out. Although I think clumsy protagonist is just the free space. That's what we joked about. I don't know that it's on there. It's not. Ooh, no. Um, I'll share some other things that don't super matter while you're searching for it. Uh, he does have an elderly dog named Sadie. Sadie is objectively the only good part about the book. Um, but I did write down about 60, 70 pages in. If the dog dies, I'm quitting the podcast. Mm. Um, good news for both of us. The dog is fine and is going to live forever and the podcast will as well. Um, I also wrote down a prediction. So in addition to our two main characters, we are also early on introduced to Jilly Max's best friend, Carrie Waters, 
and Aiden's best friend, whose name is Mike. And they have a really unpleasant interaction at a potluck. And um, I wrote down, bet the next book is about Carrie and Mike. But it's actually not. Um, because Carrie and Mike's love story is also shoehorned into this one. And it's <laughs> terrible. Um, let's see. One of the characters has a parrot who likes to make sex noises. That's weird. Oh, it's like hanging out with middle schoolers in the year 2022. Oh. Yeah. There's this new thing where there's like, yeah. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Um, Let me find. He placed his hand on her shoulder, a gesture of comfort, yet it jarred them both. His hand was big and his fingers were so long, they stretched to cover the swell of her breast. His fingertips reached nearly to her nipple. Jesus. No, Mick, I'm going to like... I have a normal sized hand for a woman, yes. right? Like, okay, if I put my hand on your shoulder, yeah. like, like she's hooking, this, she's hooking up with Andre the Giant. Apparently, my fingertips are like b- right below your collarbone. Mm, I like it. Like, if you you have like, hands. Bi- I mean, bigger hands, like normal sized hands. Like, if you put your hand on my shoulder, yeah, again, like right below my collarbone. How big are this That's man's a solid, hands? That's a solid foot. You know, why are his hands so big? Um, she better have big titties or else it's going to be less than a handful. I know. Does she have big titties? Uh, it doesn't really describe her physically very much. Oh, um, she's just perfect. She's just perfect. She has perfect breasts. Um, only the kind of flaws that, you know, are manageable for a hot guy like Aiden, a rich guy like Aiden. Um, there's also a lot of typos in this book, like using uh, perspective instead of respective, like, they're going back to their respective homes. They're going back to their perspective homes. Well, an offer has been accepted, but it hasn't. they haven't <laughs> closed yet. Um, they also, one character is meaning to use the word irascible and instead says erasable. I didn't know Kendrick Lamar was in this song or in this book. If there's one word that Kendrick Lamar loves more than any other rapper, it's irascible. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Um, and irreparable. You talk a lot about how, like, you you wish that you could scrub Fifty Shades of Grey from the collective consciousness. Yes. There is one thing in particular from Twilight that I wish I could scrub from the collective consciousness. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Um, But it's also the idea that breaking into someone's home and watching them sleep is romantic. Because I feel like that was definitely a thing in Twilight. And since then, it's been in a lot of other books and movies and other pieces of media but i gotta tell you guys breaking into someone's home and watching them sleep not romantic i have scared the ever-loving crap out of you several times from simply existing in the same house as you while you're sleeping yeah and we're married we share a bed one time you like you're supposed to be there one time i dropped something and was on my hands and knees next to your side of the bed and i was standing up right as you woke up so it was like (laughs) like, jump scared you in real life It didn't go over well. No, I'm sure it did not. Um, so Aiden, <laughs> you were there. Well, I don't remember it. I was asleep. Oh. Aiden oh. is watching her sleep because she is living on his sister's houseboat. So, like, these two women are in town because they work for a major league baseball team that's building its spring training facility in Barefoot William. Barefoot William. Uh, I noticed you went ahead and X'd out completely unnecessary convoluted plot around two people hooking up. Yeah. Good work. Um, with that, uh, so they like they move in, they're living in a hotel, 
And then Aiden's sister, Shay, offers them like, hey, instead of living in a hotel, if you want to live in my houseboat, I'll give it to you for free because I don't live there anymore because I'm with someone from the Saunders family. Uh, And then Aiden is a property manager and the penthouse of his ritzy apartment complex is open. And he also offers that to them rent free. So Carrie takes the penthouse and Julie Mack takes the houseboat. If you're not in these places, you're just not networking hard enough. I know. There's always rich people out there willing to give you stuff for free. For sure. You just have to sleep with the right ones. Um, So he has a key to his sister's houseboat. So he goes and... Not to mention it's on the water. Walks in. Swims um, up. Let's see. Now I gotta find my spot. The lady slept naked. She slowly rolled over, just as he decided to leave. Flat on her back, the Disney sheet, she has Little Mermaid sheets, the Disney sheet slipped, exposing one entire breast. The cotton settled between her legs in a ripple of characters. Sebastian the Jamaican crab wrapped his cartoon pinchers around her ankle. The seagull scuttle perched on her knee. Flounder swam near the V of her thighs. Lucky fish, his dick twitched in agreement. Yeah, um, all three of those animals are not uh, particularly uh, gracious to compare to a woman's vagina. No, really not. Um, okay, let's see. There's just a whole. There's just a whole lot. So she wakes up. He's sitting there. Instead of freaking out and wondering why on earth this strange man is in her house, um, she basically she says, "Tit for tat, Aiden, take off your shirt." Um, so she makes him strip down. Because she feels like she should get to see him naked if would he it be got funnier to, see her to do naked. tit for tit? I know you would think so. Or is he tatted up? Um, not that I know of. Then I it's a think. wasted line. Yeah. His body had never drawn a complaint from the women he dated. He'd never seen the inside of a gym. His muscle was built from hard work. He never minded sweat. Oh, property managing. Or an ache in his bones. He worked to exhaustion most days. He liked it that way. What does Excel spreadsheets really keep his forearms? Here's this Here's this really cute uh, exchange between the two of them. You're fit. You're firm. Your abdomen is cut. You've got serious cleavage. Nice navel. Nice nipple. It's just, it's just really weird. Like, it's not yeah. good. A long time ago, we read some uh, one book. One of us did. That was like... Wow, you clearly uh, look like you work out, but you're not bulky like other guys who work out. You're more like lean and cut. It's like, why can't the narration be doing this for us? Why do you have to be expertizing? Yeah. Um, at this point, his dog is there too, and she. On the houseboat? W- yes. Once she is, it's docked. Um, once. Uh, his, his dog's name is Doc? No, once Julie Mack is clothed, she's giving the dog a belly rub and he gets an erection watching her give the dog a belly rub. It's weird. I don't understand. The, does why the that's dog funny. get an erection? Uh, it's, pretty a, funny. it's a lady dog. Um, adrenaline is spelled wrong. There's no E at the end. Um, <laughs> the, he, like, at one point, he can see the shadow of her sweet spot which is weird. Hey, um, that's a judge. reference to her vagina. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's not judge. Some people have protruding labia majora, menorah. Mm. Uh, then, okay, here's the one that I find especially creepy. This is the Mike and Carrie love story. I say love in real big air quotes. So 
Mike and Carrie meet each other. Carrie is described as like the most unfortunate person ever. She has adult braces. She was assaulted and abused Ooh. as a child and her parents died. And she, oh, we can also cross off the sexual assault one. Yeah. Um, she also, um, I'm losing my train of thought. She was assaulted. She has braces, which are she's both a, equally she's bad. She's adult braces. She's kind of overweight, um, but she's but, really good at slow pitch softball. Like it's, a, she's just like kind of the less attractive sidekick to Jilly Mac. But Mike, who is really hot and huge, um, he in all senses of the word, I'm sure. Uh huh. Um, he's like really mean to her. He makes mean comments about her braces and he's just like not very nice to her. He makes fun of her. Um, and, but of course it's pitched as a like, well, he must really like you, Carrie. Slow pitched is that. He pulls her hair, puts gum on her desk. So at one point after Carrie moves into the penthouse apartment that Aiden gave her, it seems like, you know, Mike used to crash there sometimes. And so he doesn't know that Carrie's living in the penthouse. So he goes and crashes there. Um, basically breaks in her apartment, scares her half to death. Um, well, at least she has the sense to be scared. Like, and then basically bullies her into letting him stay permanently. Um, so he winds up moving in. And then the first night after he's basically like yelled at her until she let him stay, he then chastises her for not being a very welcoming hostess to her guests. Mm. Blowies um, all around. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, we do eh, We do a whole lot of uh, not listening to no being pitched as sexy. Um, so that's fun. Can you tell me, Susan, uh-huh. in this book, uh-huh. does any male protagonist talk to his wiener? Sure does. Ooh, we got a bingo. We got a bingo. <laughs> um, we also get some best friend character explains the motivation of the protagonist. We right, get nice. a lot of that. Um, we also, I don't know if it's first person president. It no, wait, not. it's not first, first person president. president. <laughs> um, but we, we do get his hands fisted at his side. Yes. Um, at one point, Mike is playing slow pitch and he hits the ball so hard that he shatters the bat during slow pitch. <laughs> yeah, no, no such luck. Also, usually use aluminum during slow pitch softball. Apparently he shattered an aluminum bat during slow pitch. Wow. That guy's got to get off the roids. Um, Mike and Aiden both do love to cook. I don't know if you count that as a feminine hobby. Well, I would, I'm, Might be a bit of a stretch, but if yeah. you count it, that's a double bingo. Double bingo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I My last note in this book was, Mike sure loves to make Carrie do things she doesn't want to do. It's that's really, love, right? Yeah, it's totally love. Love means never having to say you're sorry, and also, why aren't you doing this? Those mm-hmm. are the two things you say when you're in love. Yeah. So, um, the story ends with Mike and Carrie getting married first. And Mike then and Carrie marry. Aiden and, uh, what's her name again? Jilly Mac wind up together. Um, here's, here's the end. You're a man with marriage on his mind. Whenever you're ready, he would not rush her. She turned to face him. Soon, she promised. He kissed her then with love and passion. She kissed him back with joy and certainty. Jilly Mac was home to stay. I also love that this last page looks formatted incorrectly. Uh-huh. Because every single one of those with its own paragraphs uh-huh. are all indented. 
Uh, and so it's one line each. So it just looks like one paragraph that has been indented incorrectly. The only good thing about this book was the sweet old dog named Sadie and the fact that at the end of the book, the sweet old dog named Sadie is fine. Yeah. She barked her approval, I saw. Uh-huh. She did. It was also only 278 pages. Nah, it wasn't. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, there's been much worse bibliophile books. It was definitely not a good one. Um, there was a bunch of weird stuff, and also no one edited it. Or edited at least it. if they did, they didn't catch several typos. Edited it. Um, I also, one final question that I have for you, Mick, is did you just look up a list of books that Laurie Foster blurbed and then you're just working (laughs) your way through them? No. Is Laurie Foster on there? Yeah, fast Fast paced, paced, fun fun characters. Laurie Foster, New York Times bestselling author. DMing with faint praise. Um, My favorite is that the. That's an outside dog. Um, the blurbs are both from authors who are credited as being New York Times bestselling authors and not just vague national bestselling authors. She's probably sold more books than people have listened to this podcast. I mean, if you count the same people, but you count them for each episode they've listened to, we've got like 50 some episodes. We've got like 120. (laughs) Man, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been doing this since Obama was president. No. Yes. Have we really? Yes. We did in Ames. Wow. Yeah. Let me be clear. Uh, I'm quitting because of the podcast. Oh he said that. no! He, he wanted to start his with uh, Bruce Springsteen, so he had to. He had to wait until we got most of the audience clear yeah. off of podcasts forever, mm. foregoing the medium, so that he could do it with the boss to talk about his uh, staffs. What's going to make me look coolest? Summer music. Yeah, pretty much. Um, anyway, so now that we've finished Kate Angel, uh, can we talk about Ash Ketchum's? Whatever. Ash Ketchum's Ash Kickers. Yes. <laughs> uh, gotta kick them all. Um, so Ash Kickers by Sean Grigsby. Obviously, as we discussed at the top of the show, was the second book you got me because the first one, the sci-fi book, I was like, hey, this is like a, a suitable cyberpunk uh, thing. And the weirdness of sci-fi doesn't really translate to criticism because it's like, it's just sci-fi. Um, and so you're like, well, this one's sure to get you. And you can go back if you would so like to describe the cover of the book in the back as you are trying to do the cover is a fireman's badge with a phoenix behind it and two swords crossed through it i believe those are lances sure and dragons versus firefighters versus the phoenix the scorching fantasy sequel to smoke eaters and i think that's about as far as i got because i read dragons v firefighters v phoenix and picked it up and bought it uh cole brannigan is in command of the smoke eaters they're keeping the dragon menace under control thanks to non-lethal canadian tech the beasts are tranquilized and locked up rather than killed so they're nice um yeah there's a phoenix just brings it back stronger spreading fire like a plague adrenaline junkie williams no no Alright. A lot of momentum in that summary. <laughs> but uh, I got enough to carry us through because the uh, book Ash Kickers kicks ash. Oh no. It is it is a guitar solo of a book. It is no. 
It is so stupid and dumb okay, and that's crazy good. and if fun. If it's going to be good, it has, it has to at least be ridiculous and stupid. Oh, it's very ridiculous. It is a guitar solo. It's amazing. So Cole Brain, again, I'm assuming, was the main character of the previous book. Uh, but this book follows a, a woman under his command, Tamarica Williams, uh, who is a smoke eater, a, a not-quite-firefighter. Uh, she is in charge of uh, just the dragon fires because, uh, much like the movie Under no, Under the Sea. Under the Siege. Uh, whatever. There's a movie with both Matthew McConaughey and Batman... Christian Bale. Why can't I remember Mungo Jerry, but not Christian Bale? <laughs> um, <laughs> under fire. It was something like that. Where the dragons came back, and it's like a modern uh, take on it, but they, the society collapses and goes into the Dark Ages. Well, this is set uh, in the mildly far future, in like the 2300s, okay. um, when the dragons came back on E-Day, emer- Emergence Day, uh, and very quickly basically dissolved America as a state. Uh, it doesn't seem like it would take a lot, but uh, the dragons have basically laid waste to the entire, entire countryside where there's like, it's basically everything that's not protected or city is like ash on the ground. Okay. And ruins everywhere. So Tamarica Williams is part of this like sort of, uh, once you know when the dragons came back, a lot of uh, different things got like unlocked in humanity. And so one of them is the smoke eaters mm-hmm. that can breathe dragon smoke without any problem. Like, okay. They, they, that's just like a weird thing. Can they like defeat the dragons? Well, yeah. Okay. It'd be a very boring book if they just kept losing. Um, so they are dragon slayers extraordinaire. I wish it was called the Order of St. George or something, but it's not. It's called the Department Smoke Eaters or whatever. Uh, so they have cool power armor that has like jump jets and they have laser swords and axes. Oh yeah, that's uh, And they legit. have lasers on their power armor. But now they have this knockout gun called the Sandman on top of their modified fire trucks. It's kind of like weirdly Fahrenheit 451 where firemen are like now different. Mm -hmm. But it's not a social critique. It's just kick ass. Um, And so their their fire trucks are black uh, with purple lights. Uh, And so they have a gun on the top of their fire trucks, cannon cannon number one instead of ladder number one Mm. or whatever. Uh, It's called the Sandman and it knocks dragons out as opposed to just like a cannon that kills them and then they kill it. Because dragon blood is like a cure-all hyper medicine. It's a back to tank. I know how okay. much you're into Star Wars, so mm. it's a back to tank of, of an injectable, and it like cures everything. Isn't uh, that the thing they put Luke in after he almost freezes to death? It is the thing they put Luke in. Look at you. We did just watch that movie. Yeah, but I don't like, believe they two weeks ago. Well, yeah, but you know the little furry creatures in the third one. Um, oh, I know what those are called. The planet is called Endor. No, the moon is called the Forest Moon of Endor. Oh. They're called Ewoks. The word Ewok is never mentioned in the movie. Huh. But, like, they just have names. Anyway, back to Tank. Anyway, anyway, uh, so they now no longer want to kill the dragons. They are going to subdue them so that they can every once in a while withdraw some of this dragon blood. It's their medicine. It's the whole thing. It's kind of like if, oh, I don't know. What's a thing that kills people now that's not mosquitoes? (laughs) The great white shark. Imagine if great white shark blood, uh, like, was insulin. Yeah. And so it like kept diabetics functioning. And so, well, we don't want to kill all these man-eating great white sharks. Not that they ever actually do eat people really that rarely. But the idea is yeah. subdue it, keep it captive, and then whatever. And so Tamarica Williams is really an adrenaline junkie, as you uh, read from the back. Mm-hmm. And she is bored. She starts this book basically getting people almost killed because she's trying to 
oh, it's coming right for me. I had no other choice. So, like, taming the dragons instead of killing them Knocking is, like, them not out, doing yeah, it for her. Yeah, yeah, it's not doing it because it's too easy. And then she she got into it for the slaying. So the book starts with her in this fight uh, against a scaly. They call them scalies. Uh, where she basically taunts the thing and wants an excuse to, well, I know their choice. I had to kill it or whatever. And so she gets in trouble and she gets punished by being promoted to captain of her own crew because it's the thing she wants least in the world. Um, and so if there's one thing this book doesn't do particularly correctly, it's, it's a little overstuffed, Mm -hmm. which is also what makes it into a guitar solo because it's just like everything. It does have downbeats. So you're allowed to like kind of catch your breath or whatever. Uh, it, it, it is not just like balls to the wall for 280 pages or whatnot. Uh, 350. Um, that shows how much I liked reading it. Uh, and so there's like a barbecue at one point. Somebody gets sick because of a thing I'll say. There are a couple of like kitchen table moments. More or less. yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is. Uh, after this scaly comes out, they go back and they go out to another dragon call. It takes a while to get to the Phoenix, which I'm actually not mad about because I think that's something that people have forgotten is like, yes, pacing should be happening, but that doesn't mean you have to get to the monster of the book, the monster of the movie within that first 10%. Like yeah. you have to start amping up. We have to be on our way to go see the monster at 10%. But like the movie predator has been in the news recently. What with the, uh, the new thing that I want to see on Hulu that we haven't watched called prey. The movie Predator with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers is this massive critique of uh, American involvement in Latin America where all these big, strong, brawny men with big, huge guns go to Latin America and they get picked off one by one by the Predator saying, like, oh, you don't matter. Uh, And so for the first, like, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes of the movie, it's just these big, hunky men hunking bigly uh, and shooting guns and everything. And then after that, it becomes fucking Predator and it's a horror action movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's great. And then, like, the Xenomorph does not show up in Alien right away. And so it's fine that the Phoenix does not show up in this book about the Phoenix until, uh, I would guess, probably uh, 100-ish pages in. Uh, yeah, just about 100 pages in. So about a third of the about way through third, the book. Yeah. Uh, the second dragon is behaving all weird, and it's a Leviathan. There's multiple types of dragon. It's a fun one. Um, and so multiple types of dragons, Leviathans, come out of the water. Uh, and so she... Uh, is trying to fight this one, but she's she got yelled at, so she's trying to take it into life, but it won't stay unconscious. Uh, and then the phoenix pops out of the ground out of nowhere, kills some people that were like tagging along, like rednecks that wanted to do the whatever. This this part of the one that was kind of overstuffed. <coughs> um, and then it's a phoenix. It's a great big moltres of a bird, mm-hmm. uh, and it eats the dragon. <gasps> and the dragon turns into like these these yellowish cinders, and then they kill the phoenix because they managed to like trap it with a net and then the phoenix more or less intentionally self-combust because you know it's yeah it's phoenix, it's phoenix. so it's gonna come back yeah um and then one of their other members gets sick falls to the ground and then uh is in the hospital for a while meanwhile in parthenon city mm-hmm. which is just ashland ohio oh no and they, it does shout out like isn't it so funny that it was called ashland like until about a decade before the dragons came back and then they changed it to parthenon city so it's that kind of dumb like yeah. oh, where am i gonna put my dragon book how about ashland um, <laughs> we got to rename it. Is is going through a wave of of immigration from the elsewhere in the former United States, and so there's this proud boy allegory 
this neo-Nazi allegory about these damn, uh, you know, people coming into town and stealing our dragon blood and our jobs and not doing everything. I mean, it's a whole thing, and it is... Uh, and those are seen as the bad guys, right? Yes, you know it's written quite uh, uh, well to be, like, repulsive. I should say Tamerica is a black woman. Sean Grigsby is a white man. I looked him up. Uh, and to my knowledge of a white man reading a black woman, she does not seem to be stereotyped or, or tokenized at all. Uh, there are references to, like, at one point, the army, which is basically, like, the U.S. Army is a, basically just a mercenary force, is doing a shakedown of a guy, and she's kind of like, I'm tired of this happening in one way or another for the past centuries. Mm-hmm. And so she's not not black, but she's also not... I don't know, snapping in a Z formation and yeah. like talking in patois. Yeah, they or don't whatever. make her stereotypical. Yeah, they yeah. don't make her stereotypical, but her blackness does impact her character in some way. So, as much as I know about being a black person, which is nearly zero, <laughs> I would say entirely, uh, I thought this white man from Arkansas did a good job. Um, then, so the, the you have these, these Proud Boys. Uh, in the story and also there's a bunch of these suicide arsons going around and they the police think it's some sort of cult that's like the children of the phoenix or whatever uh and then the woman who gets sick goes up to the top of the the roof of the fire thing and releases the ashes of the the phoenix and she like spontaneously combusts Mm. so was she in the cult and they're like no what the fuck are you talking about she wasn't in a cult uh and it turns out spoiler alert but it's a guitar solo it doesn't matter it's just fucking kick ass uh, it turns out that it's dragon blood that the phoenix is like a dragon hunter. Mm. But the reason why this is bad is because they've been, instead of killing all the dragons, they've been keeping them in the cities to take for their blood. Yeah. And so the phoenix is now wreaking havoc, wreaking havoc mm-hmm. on the uh, uh, town because there's all these dragons in the town that it's trying to go eat. And so it's like if we wouldn't have stopped killing them, the phoenix wouldn't have had to come back and eat them. So we're on the same team, but it's fucking everything up, so we hate it. Yeah. So it's like, we. Uh, and this is not a cult, obviously. It is instead the dragon blood that people have been receiving for certain things or making them go crazy. All right. Then the Proud Boys uh, get a hold of the... So when a dragon kills you, you turn into a ghost. Oh my. <laughs> and so in addition to the sand... In, in addition to the Sandman gun on the top, they also have Ghostbusters technology to trap the Amazing. ghosts. Amazing. Uh, that a dragon I creates. I want to see this fire truck. I, we'll get to that in a hot second. It's like a little remote. I, I imagine it as like an Apple TV remote kind okay. of. Or like the mix between an Apple TV remote and Rick's portal gun from Rick and Morty, which I know you love. Um, your IQ is higher than mine, so you can understand its intricacies. Um, so the, the ghost remotes... The, the wraiths are created by dragons because then it's like a keep out sign to humans when the dragons want to lay their eggs. And if they do get in there and the wraiths kill them, fine. And if they get in there and the wraiths don't, then the dragon kills them and more wraiths or whatever. So they use the wraiths in the dragon enclosures to keep the dragons calm because they think they're in their nest. Uh, but anyway, the only way you're going to be able to kill the phoenix is with a, polar, a reverse polarity wraith. And so they've got their science, they've got their science team, which they call propeller heads, which uh, means I have to include a drop right now playing underneath this instead of a drop. I just minted the theme song. Uh, They've got their uh, propeller heads working on uh, a, the solution. And so they earlier in the book, remember the rednecks, the volunteer guys that carried like basically steel beams to come help them. One of them gets killed by a. One of them done got killed by a dragon, okay. uh, and so she trapped that ghost and forgot to give it back. And now that family, with the legal help of the Proud Boys, just to stir up trouble, is suing the Smoke Eaters because that's, you know, his remains. They want his ghost back, and they're like, "Why do you want his ghost back? He's not having it." It's a whole thing. 
And so the, the they get the ghost back after the polarity's been switched. But since the polarity's been switched, it's the wraith that's drawing the phoenix now. And it's in the middle of downtown Parthenon City. And so now the phoenix is going for that reverse polarity wraith. And every single dragon that's in all the enclosures is going to the, the phoenix. And so the last... 7,500 pages of the book, which I read in probably an hour and a half, just like blazed through it, is this fucking amazing apocalypse. Like every dragon they've been capturing over the past three, four years is broken loose and they're oh flying God. into the city and they're re- they're doing all sorts of shit. And so all these power armors are like jumping up to the 15th or the like the third floor and then jumping onto the back of a dragon and using its laser sword to try and kill it uh, or using its foam flame retardant shotgun to try and shoot one down. Okay, this is a while then it's a fun. And then there is a an ice dragon that instead of burning to ash melts uh, when they <laughs> killed it. Uh, but their their trucks need to be on the outside to try and knock out as many dragons as possible. So they have to like steal cars. And one guy who's driving it, her sort of ex and perspective uh, boyfriend, uh, is a terrible driver, and they're clinging to the top of it because it's the future and it's a smart car. So it's like a one. And then they get in there, and wouldn't you know it? Most of the people, the Proud Boys, had also been handing out dragon blood uh, uh, like boosters. Uh, and so now there's also like waves of arson zombies that are trying to stop them, but they don't want to kill them. But every time they like beat them down, they just blow up into fire anyway. And it's insane. And I cannot think of another book. Otherworld would be great for like, hey, this porn company has too much money. Yeah. Let's get a lot of special effects together, baby. And just making, you got everybody's flavor is in there, right? Yeah. I want this to be a fucking movie of the, like, Sharknado is intentionally bad. Yeah. I want this to be like, no, we're going to make the the movie that's in this book. Yeah. And it would probably cost like $300 million. It'd be way too expensive, but it needs to be it because it's fucking insane. It's amazing. <laughs> You've got like this six foot four Samoan dude in, in power armor, like hacking away at a, like three different brands of dragon and you got people jumping onto dragon's backs and riding them into the ground like they're the fucking D&D character you made our sophomore year of college. It's incredible. It's the stupidest, most kick-ass. It's Freebird's guitar solo. It's insane. It's great. So let's let's take out... Okay. Let's check out the Bibliophile... Uh, uh, Is there a glossary or a cast of characters? No. They, they do have powers, but they're not secret. Uh, the book does just end, ends on a cliffhanger to try and, uh, keep it going. Uh, the smoke jumpers, smoke eaters are mm. disbanded because they really failed to control the dragon menace. The city no. is ruined. Uh, there were, there was a love subplot, but no, absolutely no sex. I don't think they, oh, she kissed him because she was about to go do something dangerous. Mm. Like typical, like, yeah. you know, Mad Max. Like, and then she jumps off the thing or whatever. Uh, it's not in the first person present. Is there a council? not a council there's a mayor who is a woman in hijab that is uh uh written as a politician that does some shitty things to try and keep her job but is also good uh she's a dj our main character is a dj one of these arsons does go off in a crowded club so that was claustrophobic and not exactly fun but like a good scene yeah uh no that's it bud other than free space and oh, the book just ends. Important plot elements do get capitals. Okay. Smoke jumpers. So that's, and... that's three things, including yeah. the free space. So really two things on the yeah. bibliophile bingo sheet. So you're Instead, right, Nick. This must have been a pretty good book. It's just fireworks, baby. If anybody wants to borrow this or check it out, I do recommend it. I kind of want to read the first one. Like, if it wasn't the end of summer, if I didn't have to go to back to work on this Thursday, this would be 
a kick-ass fucking vacation book. Instead yeah. of listening to fucking TikTok love quotient, what was it called? The love the, kiss the quotient. The kiss quotient. Bullshit, sex, dick bag, idiot book that I We hated. read that for a book club and it was terrible. Instead I've of trying actually to do that. thought about getting you one of the sequels for the podcast. Don't. Uh, this is a bad book podcast, not a whatever. Bad it book is podcast. the terrible book exchange podcast, um, and it was a terrible book. It's supposed to be sight unseen. Um, this is a vacation book. This is the book equivalent of, I don't fucking know, just like a Michael Bay movie, but better. Mm. Less tits in it. Yeah. Uh, no Megan Fox. She does have a big old ass, and she does uh, good for smack her? it once. But, yeah, good for her. So that was Ash Kickers. It kicked Ash. Good job, Sean Grigsby, who is a professional firefighter, he says. Who, okay, uh, that's uh, that's that's fun. I do enjoy yeah. that. Uh, in this book, firefighters are seen as like slightly pussier because they can't take on dragons. And so that good for him for being like, yeah, we're not all, yeah. all that cool. Uh, I do like the, uh, the little uh, tags. Apparently, this book gets, I don't know how. File under Smoke M, Catch and Release, Firebird, and Arson About. I don't, I don't know what any of that means. I don't really get what that's supposed to represent, but it is from uh, Angry Robot Books, which if you've got a, I think that might be a, a publisher to investigate for guitar solo books because it sure. seems like it. So Mick, uh, in a very similar vein as Sean Grigsby's oh. Ash Kickers. Yeah, I know where this is going. I already have your next Bibliophile book. It's going to be what really along the same lines what as What about this one. instead of a guitar solo, Kenny G came out to tinkle the ivories a little bit. He can't even play piano. No, it was actually someone impersonating Kenny oh, G yeah. came out to play Kenny the piano. Kenny G's on the marquee and he stands next to the person playing the piano. Because uh, I got you James Patterson by James Patterson. By James Patterson, air quotes. <laughs> so you are going to be reading the James Patterson autobiography. Yeah. You they should have. They should have named it after that RDJ two book or whatever. Uh, after that album, you know, Ghost Rider. <laughs> and if I knew how to download music for free, that would be playing right now. Uh, but I don't, so I won't. Uh, it used to be easier to torrent music, or I was just uh, less cautious about. I think you things. were less cautious and didn't care if your computer exploded. That's probably yeah. It. Now I got too much stuff on this computer. Don't ask what. My name has been Mick Dickinson. Well, you used to have the intro music to our podcast on your computer, and then you deleted it, so we don't have I, I any. Have I've an, been Susan Dickinson. I have an intro song on my Okay. So, I don't remember what it is, but it played earlier this episode. Yeah, all I right. could put pro- Propeller Heads as the intro. Whatever, it's not important. You already heard our it. Our intro music is... Uh, was playing before, so that's good. No, that that was supposed to be a pause, and then you can go back. And I'm not doing any editing. The, I don't even know if I'm going to edit out the time you thought our baby was crying. That's how little editing I'm going to do this time. Because there was a dog barking outside, and the windows were open, so then I could hear yeah, the dog I'm not barking edit outside on the monitor. So if you think confusing. I'm going to go back in an ADR, no way. Mm, disappointing disappointing i've been susan dickinson s with three u's s-a-n-j on twitter dickie ma good night